And time again for In Your Corner to reach out anytime, one eight three three in your corner or help at inyourcorner.ca. Got a lot of stuff to cover today, some questions, a bunch of emails. Uh, you can send yours along, by the way. We'll try to get to it over the course of the show. I know you want to play a, uh, a voicemail that we got that was very interesting, Savannah, in just a little bit. But we always start off with uh, some things that are on your desk and you're currently working on or have solved. Uh, week that was, basically. What do you got going on, pal? Well, John, it's been a very busy week, and it's been a busy week for the office as a whole. So as people out there who are listening know, we deal with long-term disability claims all the time. We are lawyers, we fight insurance companies, and as James likes to say, we tilt, you know, we don't even the playing field, we tilt it in your favor. And, uh, you know, let me give you uh, just very briefly a synopsis of what happened last week. Other than all the cases that we have that we're handling, our team's handling, Uh, We've had four reinstatements last week. What does that mean? It means these are cases where the insurance companies for these four individuals have cut them off or denied their LTD claims or long-term disability claims unjustly. We got involved. This was a few months ago that we got involved. And last week, all those four cases, the insurance companies capitulated. They went back. They basically said, okay, we made a mistake. We are going to reinstate, which means we're going to put your clients back on claim. We're going to start paying them their monthly benefits, and we're going to pay them what they were owed from the time we first denied them and up until the present date. So, and by the way, John, that does not end the claims that we have started, because in addition to that, now we are going after these insurance companies for punitive damages. And we talked about that before. What's punitive damages? That's extra contractual damage. That's to punish the other side for wrongful conduct. So, you know, when we start a legal claim against an insurance company for denying a claim unjustly, we are not only saying that they should be paying what they ought to be paying under the policy, but we're also saying that the steps that they've taken are so high-handed and malicious that if this ever went to court, we're going to ask a judge to award punishment in addition to the actual contractual damages. So in these four cases, not only have these insurance companies, like I said, capitulated, basically fallen on their swords, the claims are continuing against those insurance companies for those punitive damages. And one of those cases is a case that James is handling, uh, James Fireman, my partner, who's not here today, and that's the Sandra Bullock case. We talked about that before, you know, it's, it's... uh, not that Sandra Bullock. Not that Sandra Bullock. It's a different one. But if, if you know, listeners out there wanted to go and, and Google um, uh, Global TV, th- th- I think it was a few days ago or last week that there was, uh, that there was uh, uh, you know, that, that Sean O'Shea did a piece on that. Uh, right. and, and, you know, he's interviewing uh, Miss Bullock, who's our client, as well as James Fireman. So if you type James Fireman, Global TV, Sean O'Shea, you will see that clip. Yeah. Uh, so, and again, very, very good news. Now, I want to move on, John, um, yep. and, and tell you about something else. Another lawyer in my office, Albert Klein, who's, again, an exceptional lawyer uh, who only deals with long-term disability claims, has a case where his client was denied short-term disability, okay? okay. Not long-term. Right. But guess what? In many instances, short-term disability is paid for by the employer, but the employer is not the one who deals with the actual claim. So let's say, John, you are working and you get sick or you're injured and you want to claim short-term disability, let's say your employer is the one who's paying you, but they don't have any knowledge about claims like this. So they would contract, your employer would contract with an insurance company to adjust the claim, to oversee the claim, to make decisions and tell the employer if they should be paying 
uh, short-term disability payments or not. And so what happened here in this case, with Albert's case, that's exactly what happened. The insurance company told the employer, no, this person does not qualify for short-term disability. Don't pay mm. them. Now, in an ideal world, our client would be getting short-term disability, and after short-term disability, he'd be eligible for long-term disability. Right. So what happens here? The insurance company denies his claim for short-term disability, and in the same breath, in that same letter that they sent our client, they also said, and by the way, we're also denying you long-term disability. But guess what? Our client never even applied for long-term disability. So why am I bringing this up? Because here's an instance of an insurance company essentially making a preemptive strike against our client, saying not only are we saying to your employer, don't pay him short-term disability, but we're also telling you don't even bother making an application for long-term disability because we're going to deny you that too. As far as I'm concerned, that is bad faith. As far as I'm concerned, the insurance company should have waited until our client applied for long-term disability and then adjudicate that request. So again, what is the lesson here? If you get denied short-term or long-term disability by an insurance company, don't wait and do nothing. Contact us immediately. Let us take a look at the claim. Let us take a look at the denial letter, the policy, the medical documents. We will tell you if you have a case. And again, we will take the fight to the insurance company. If you have a case, and we will tell you that within minutes for free, if you have that case, we are going to take the fight to the insurance company and we are going to force them to pay just like those four insurance companies that I just spoke about earlier in the segment that have capitulated this past week. It's a simple phone call. It's one eight three three in your corner and help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Still got a couple minutes to, to go here before we break. What else you got going on? Here's a question that was posted to uh, our website, mydisabilityquestions.com. <clears throat> this one came from Mark in Ottawa. Here's what he writes. If you're permanently disabled and you've been receiving long-term disability for about five years, can the insurance company force you to find a job even though it's not your own occupation uh, that they're asking you to, to go to? So this is interesting because in this case, Mark obviously has been on disability or, or, or someone Mark knows has been on disability for five years. And that means that the insurance company for five years has acknowledged and agreed and conceded that this person is in fact disabled from working. And John, we've spoken about before, what does it take to get LTD beyond two years? Beyond the two-year mark, you have to show that you are disabled from doing any job for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. Clearly, that's what's happened here if he's been receiving LTD for five years. Well, then the question is, can the insurance company force you then to try and go back to work? No, the insurance company can never force you to do something like that, especially when your doctors are saying that you are still disabled and you know that you are still disabled. What the insurance company can say and unfortunately often say is that if you don't try to go back, we are going to cut you off. I think that is completely improper, especially when they're asking you to take action against what your doctors are saying, against medical advice. We can fight that. We can, again, force the insurance companies to back off. And if they don't, we start a legal claim against them. And once we start a legal claim against them, they are now bleeding money in having to defend this legal claim. They have to get a defense lawyer. They have to get a different adjuster dealing with it. That's how we bring them to the table to settle those cases with us and with our clients. 
Just getting warmed up. Stick around. Lots more to go. We'll get to that uh, voicemail and a bunch of your email questions as well. You'll want to send one along. No problem. Help at inyourcorner.ca. And the number anytime. Get a hold of Svan, member of his team. one eight three three in your corner In your corner continues right here on Global News Radio. one eight three three in your corner is the number. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. That would be the email address. Send one along. We'll get to, I see uh, Jason just sent one. We'll get to you uh, in, uh, in just a little bit here, Jason, your email uh, that is, but you wanted to get to a voicemail that you got, right? Savannah, what's this all about? Yeah, it's an interesting voicemail from a lady who's been listening to the show, and uh, it's about CPP disability. This is a question, or this is a topic, rather, that uh, we get asked about all the time. So let's play the clip, and then I'll, I'll dissect it. If a person is eligible for long-term disability, why are they saying that it is also mandatory that they apply for CPP disability as well. If somebody could please answer that question on the air would be great. It just seems like you have to jump through the insurance company's hoops. Now you're going to have to go through CPP as well. And when a person is ill, they really, you know, having to go through all these things and mega packages of this has to be filled out and that has to be filled out. Once you've applied to the insurance company, why is the insurance company demanding that you have to apply for CPP as well? That's such a great question. We've covered this in depth, so it'll be no problem answering uh, answering this one. What do you say, pal? Yeah, I mean, we can do a whole segment on CPP disability, but at the end of the day, remember that anything the insurance company tells you or asks you to do has to be rooted or, or has to have an origin in that uh, LTD policy. That policy, that insurance policy, is the contract between yourself and the insurance company. Mm-hmm. And so... The vast majority of these policies out there contain a provision that says that you need to and have to, in fact, apply for CPP disability. As to why they contain those provisions, that's a different question. But the point is, if your policy contains that kind of a provision and the insurance company tells you, go ahead and apply, then you have to apply. If you don't apply, what can happen? Well, one of two things really can happen and do happen. Number one, the insurance company sometimes will cut you off. Again, we can fight that but you don't want to be in that position. Number two, what they most often do, the insurance company, is they will guesstimate how much they think you will be getting from CPP disability if, in fact, you were to apply and were to be approved. And so let's say the insurance company is supposed to be paying you $2,000 for LTD a month. And let's say you apply for CPP, you get approved, and you get $1,000 a month. The insurance company wants you to apply because they get a credit for that $1,000. So you don't get CPP plus whatever from LTD. You get essentially the exact same amount, except that the insurance company has to pay you whatever the amount they have to pay you, less uh, the CPP. So that's why insurance companies want you and try to force you to apply, because first of all, it's usually a term of the contract, and number two, they get a credit. Now, why should you apply above and beyond that? Well, there are multiple reasons for that. Let me just tell you about three of them that just come to mind. Number one, if you apply for CPP disability and you get approved, and at some point down the road, your insurance company cuts you off, well, guess what? You have this other income source, CPP disability. You know, their payments continue coming into your bank account while we fight the insurance company for the uh, unjust denial of your claim. Right. That's number one. Number two, remember, you know, if you get CPP disability, then the government has essentially recognized that you are disabled. Not only that you're disabled, but that your disability is serious and prolonged. 
So again, more of an argument to the insurance company, don't, got, you know, don't cut this person off, or if they cut the person off, reinstate them because even the right. government says that they are disabled. And the third reason is that, and you know, this is not coming directly from me, this is something that I have heard from others, uh, is that apparently if you are on CPP disability, your ultimate CPP payments down the road when you reach the age where you're eligible for that, 65 or whatever it is, are actually going to be better than they otherwise would be had you not applied for CPP disability. So I'm going to put that point to the side because I don't have direct knowledge of that. That's what I've been told. My point is this, to answer that lady's question, apply for CPP disability if you are on LTD mm-hmm. because if you get in, it's an argument against the insurance company cutting you off because the government has recognized you being disabled, and if they do cut you off, it will give you another income source while we fight the insurance company for reinstatement or for some kind of a settlement. Well, like you said, it's 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 not written in stone, but it's generally generally seen as a higher threshold to uh, to uh, get approved by CPP. So that's nothing but a positive for that person, right? Yeah, and insurance companies, you know, they they like to sort of play around with CPP disability in terms of how they deal uh-huh. with claims. I'll give you an example. Uh, let's say that uh, you know you've applied for CPP disability and you've been cut off LTD, right. and you've applied for CPP disability, and you've been approved. So you're getting CPP disability. Meanwhile, your insurance company says that under their test of total disability, you don't qualify uh, t- to get payments. Right. And when we fight them on this, you know they usually come back and say, well, the test is different. The test for getting CPP disability is different than LTD. So therefore, we're allowed to maintain our denial. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that your client is getting CPP disability. In my view, that's absolute nonsense. But here's another scenario. I've had scenarios where my client has been denied CPP disability, and then from the other side of their mouth, the insurance company says, ah, you see, the government has denied your claim disability, so we are correct in also denying them disability. Again, complete nonsense, right? But, you know, what, what else do you expect? Insurance companies are in the business of denying claims. They will use whatever they can, whatever arguments they have at their disposal, throw everything at the wall, kitchen sink, see what sticks. Again, this is why you need someone in your corner to make sure that the fight is taken to the insurance company. That's exactly what we do day in and day out. And that's why when we start these legal claims, they almost always, almost, I can't say 100%, because nothing right. is 100%, but almost always result in uh, settlements with the insurance company. Insurance company comes to the table and pays our client what our client is owed by law. One eight three three in your corner is that number. We'll take a short break. Get to Jason's email. A bunch of other questions as well. Stick around for it. You want to reach out through email? It is help at inyourcorner.ca. Uh, show continues. This is in your corner right here on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner. That is the number. Get a hold of Savan. Get a hold of James, a member of the team. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email we uh, we use on the show here on a uh, weekly basis. So uh, we'll talk about LTD settlements. Insurance companies, how do you say this? Secretly hoping for a settlement once you get involved in the case. Is that true? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Now listen. There are cases. Not every case is the same, right? In some cases. We have a harder case to argue. Uh, we have more gaps or more holes in our clients' cases. That's not to say that our clients are not disabled. It's just that there is evidentiary issues we have to deal with. Uh, you know, and other cases are stronger cases. That's Any lawyer that does this kind of work will tell you that out of the 100, 150, however many cases they, they have, some cases are better than others from a proof standpoint, from an evidentiary standpoint. That said, 
I can tell you again, not only as someone who has represented countless individuals against insurance companies, but as someone who has worked for insurance companies. Remember, that's how I was trained. I was trained as an insurance lawyer. Insurance companies, for the most part, don't like to fight these claims. If they fight these claims and they go all the way to court, which is extremely rare, it's because something is something something else is going on. Right. Uh, maybe they suspect fraud. Maybe maybe there's something else. But generally speaking, insurance companies are fairly pragmatic. They don't like to just waste money on defending these claims, and then down the road having to pay you know a whack of money. They try to settle these claims as soon as they can. That's been our experience, not just in Ontario, by the way, because we do work in, in British Columbia. We do work yep. in other provinces. It's across the board. And that makes sense, right? Insurance companies want to make money. You don't make money by fighting on all fronts. You make money by picking and choosing which cases you want to settle, which is the vast majority of them, and which one, which, which, which one of them um, or, or, or which of them you think that you, know, you should be defending until the end. And, and frankly, when people call me, uh, not just me, but the lawyers on my team, and we assess their case, we give them the good and the bad. We'll sure. tell them. We think that there is a 90% chance of success, or we think, you know, this is the weakness and this is the strength. So we're very, very upfront with uh, the individuals that we speak with, which is why I tell people there's nothing for you to lose. We're not going to take you through a process just for the sake of taking you through a process, right? Because we have a whole team. We have people involved. We have to pay them salaries, rent. Yeah. We want to make sure that we, if we are, you know, if we are, um, telling you that you have a case and we're going to put our firm's resources and manpower, woman power, manpower behind you, that we're going to win at the end of the day and we're going to get the money that you're owed. As promised, Jason, your email is up uh, first. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. Jason says, my father had a stroke at work last February uh, 2018, has been uh, unable to move part of his body ever since he's a financial consultant, he was denied LTD because the insurer says that his job is sedentary and he could do it from home. It's not true. He still needs uh, to meet with clients and travel as well. We're not sure what to do. He also has a problem focusing and remembering things. Is there a point challenging this insurer? Can uh, They can probably outfight us, yes? Well, Jason, thank you very much for emailing us. And uh, I'm very sorry with what happened to your father. Let me start from the end of your email. You're saying they can probably outfight us. Right. No, that is a myth. If you think that insurance companies who are these billion-dollar entities are going to take all that those billions of dollars and put them towards fighting your claim, you are mistaken. But, but not only are you mistaken you've drank the Kool-Aid that they're, that they're selling you. Insurance companies want you to think that they, they are these, you know, uh, uh, huge corporations, huge entities that Goliath, right? It's impossible. No way you should even challenge them. That is nonsense. It's a mirage. Insurance companies are not that at all. Insurance companies are a collective. They're a collective of adjusters, of managers, of people who their job is to save the insurance company money. That is the prime directive, you know, to use Star Trek yeah. uh, metaphors here. <laughs> and, and, you know, at the end of the day, and again, I'm telling you this as someone who worked for them in the past. At the end of the day, you know, in, in a case like this, uh, Jason, where your father had a stroke, now there's memory issues, there's paralysis. You know, we're not talking about something, some kind of an illness that is undefined. Everyone knows what a stroke is. The doctors can easily provide the necessary supporting medical documentation explaining why he cannot work. I am telling you that the reason why the insurance company likely denied your father's claim is because they're betting that you, your father, your family will simply walk away 
from money that is rightfully owed to him under the policy. You should absolutely not do that. If you do that, you do that at your own peril. You do that, you know, and by the way, I have no idea, John, what the amounts here. Right. But if Jason's father is, let's say, 50 years old and he's supposed to get $5,000 a month in LTD, think about that. $5,000 a month, 12 months, that's $60,000. If he's 50, take $50,000, sorry, $60,000, multiply that by 15. I mean, we're talking about mid-high six figures here for, for some of these claims. Yeah. So if you want to walk away from these, this kind of money that is owed to you, I'm going to stress and underline and highlight the word owed. This is not you asking for a handout from the insurance company. The insurance company was paid premiums to cover you in this yeah. kind of an eventuality. If you are willing to walk away from that, that is your choice. But I'm telling you, you have a case. Jason, your father has a case. Let's talk. Let's get together. Let me see the documentation. And I will tell you exactly how you should proceed and I would start a claim against that insurance company right now, John. Jason, you know the email, of course. That's how you uh, contacted us. The e, uh, phone number, rather, one eight three three. in your corner. You can use that anytime as well. Taking a short break. Lots more to go. We're going to bounce over to an email from Rachel. And we got more questions for you as well, Savan. This is In Your Corner right here. Hang on. Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner. That is the contact number. The email is help at inyourcorner.ca as well. Rachel, up next with this email, Savannah. Rachel says, uh, I've had back issues for the past two years, including on and off seizures. Most days I can hardly get out of bed. I applied for LTD through my private insurance that I got over 10 years ago, and they just denied my claim, saying that I don't have enough medical proof that I'm disabled but I sent them letters from my family doctor and neurologist who both say that I can't work. What is the next step if the insurance company, uh, do they have the right to say no in my case? So, Rachel, do they have the right to say no? Yes, they have the right to say no. Are they right about saying no? Right. No, they are not. Different and this is, where, this is where we get in the picture because, you know, you really have three options here, Rachel. And frankly, this applies to anyone in that same situation, not who's had seizures, but who's been denied LTD. The three options are as follows. Number one, you walk away. That's the insurance company's dream, okay? That's the that's on number one on their wish list. Walk away, let them keep the money that's owed to you. Number two, appeal that denial. Again, that's on their wish list as well. It's not to say that they're not going to necessarily pay you, but the chances are, in my experience, that these appeals are not gonna go, not gonna go anywhere. So they're gonna be useless, they're gonna frustrate you, they'll deny you, and then their denial letter for your appeal will invite you to appeal again. Uh, and it goes on and on and on, okay? It's like a carousel and, uh, un- until your time runs out. Remember, you have two years from the date of first denial to start a legal claim. Beyond that two-year period, you are now in the red zone. At that point, if you start a claim, they could potentially bring a motion to block you from proceeding with your claim. Okay, so first option, walk away. Second option, appeal. Third option, that's what they don't want you to do. They don't want you to start a legal claim against them. Why? Again, we spoke about this before countless times. Once we start a legal claim against them, they now have to hire a defense lawyer. And sometimes that defense lawyer works for them in-house. But they only have so many defense lawyers. They only have so many hours in the day to deal with claims. Uh. So if you have more people starting these legal claims, they have to hire more defense lawyers. My point is this. As soon as we start a legal claim for someone who's been wrongfully denied or cut off long-term disability, the insurance company starts spending money on defending the case. They don't like to spend that money. That's money they could be using to invest 
It's money they could be using to pay out claims. They can do a whole bunch of stuff with that money. Instead, they're paying it to their lawyers as well as to a new adjuster who handles the, 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 the file while it is you know, within that legal sphere. So Rachel, what we do in your case, again, after I've reviewed the denial letter or the denial information that you have, uh, reviewed your medical documents, the policy if you have it, I will probably tell you to start a legal claim now, right now, because the sooner we start that legal claim, the sooner we can get it resolved, the sooner we can get money into your bank account as opposed to waiting for months and months, if not years. And again, if you wait too long, the danger is that you may miss that two-year limitation period, which means that the money now permanently stays with the insurance company. Be very, very careful of that. I'm thinking that, uh, you know, this this lack of medical proof excuse uh, supporting documentation from insurance companies has got to be one of the top excuses you hear. How do you deal with it? It's it's certainly I think up there. I I will probably say that, and um, you know perhaps uh, that you haven't complied with some term of the policy, which oftentimes is is a Mickey Mouse excuse. I call uh, it because right. oftentimes I find that you know when they say you haven't complied with with some term of the policy, it's it's you know there is a reason for that, um, which is a reasonable reason. Anyways, I think that the way that you deal with not enough medical proof is that. Uh, you give us a call. And and here's the reason why I say that. Because I've had people calling me and emailing me, and James will tell you the same thing, where they've gotten these denial letters from these insurance companies who say, you just haven't submitted enough medical documentation. And meanwhile, people will tell me, but look, my doctors have said, they've written to the insurance company saying, I'm unable to work. Sometimes the doctors are not necessarily equipped to understand exactly what the insurance company is asking. So I'll give you an example, John. I've had a gentleman a few weeks ago uh, that showed me one of the letters that he sent the insurance company. And that letter uh, that he sent from the insurance company from his specialist essentially outlined his condition, the diagnosis, and what treatments he's getting. But it didn't outline his restrictions. It it didn't say explicitly this person at this time is unable to work, and here's why. Well, insurance companies need that information. They need that direct uh, statement. If they don't have that, don't expect them to extrapolate this information from just any medical documents or clinical notes and records you may be sending them. So sometimes insurance companies, you know, not to defend them, but sometimes they are, you know, like uh, like donkeys, right? I mean, they only see what's in front of them. You can give them a thousand pages, ten thousand pages of medical documents, which for you and I, it would be clear that those clinical notes and records from the hospitals, from the specialists, they all show that this person cannot work unless they have an actual report from a physician or somebody who's treating the individual explicitly saying this person cannot work because of X, Y, and Z, unless they have that kind of a statement, insurance companies, notwithstanding seeing 10,000 pieces of paper, will simply take the position, well, there's nothing supporting you from not being able to work. So again, sometimes when we get into the picture, we actually just clarify, we, we, we provide so some direction for the doctors that we're communicating with on behalf of our client in terms of what we need from them to present to the insurance company. But again, I don't want to defend insurance companies because I think oftentimes they are willfully blind to what they're saying. And you know, a few shows ago, John, I told you about a case that I'm handling right now where this gentleman had a car accident and two strokes right after, and there is a power of attorney right now. This, this gentleman, this elderly person is unable to care for himself. And so he didn't submit an application for LTD on time. 
And what does the insurance company come back and say? You're out of time and you haven't yeah. provided an explanation as to why it is that you are out of time. How come you didn't, you know, why, what stopped you from applying for LTD in time? And they have medical documentation from the hospital showing that he was in this severe car accident, had these strokes, has essentially cognitive problems now. He can't function properly. What do you mean you're asking him what is your excuse for submitting the application late? Are you kidding me? So again, what, I'm, what am I doing now? I'm going to a specialist. I'm going to the family doctor. I'm collecting these letters now that explicitly explain why it is that he submitted his application late. And I'm going to give the insurance company a choice, and they're going to have seven days to make that decision. Do they put him on claim? Do they pay him LTD? Or do I start a legal claim and go for punitive damages? It's going to be their choice. I'm hoping we're going to be able to get out of this without a fight so that this person can start getting LTD now. But if not, we'll be prepared to go all the way if necessary. One eight three three in your corner. By the way, you want to reach out and get some questions uh, answered as well. You have help at inyourcorner.ca. That is the email. The phone calls. We'll get to more of those as we continue here on In Your Corner on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner. That is the number. As you know, inyourcorner.ca. Help at inyourcorner.ca through email. That's where you want to go if you want to reach out and uh, and contact. Tanya is the next one up through an email. It says my best friend was diagnosed with severe depression and anxiety which goes back to things that happened in her childhood. She was on LTD and was recently cut off after she went to see some doctor. The insurance company arranged to assess her. I checked that doctor, and he uh, he isn't a psychologist or a psychiatrist. She has a psychiatrist that is treating her who said she's disabled. How can the insurance company cut her off, and how can she do anything about it now? She's getting worse. Well, Tanya, again, thank you for calling us, or sorry, for emailing us. And this is a good example, again, just like the other emails, John, uh, people who are contacting us on behalf of concerned yep. friends, and uh, they're concerned about their friends and their family. Uh, it's, it's really, really important to, to get this out to the public so people can learn from this and understand how to help people close to them. So, Tanya, to deal with your best friend, first of all, this is a very common thing that happens with long-term disability insurers. They will hire someone or they may have someone on roster that will be asked to evaluate uh, the client's file or the, the, the insured's file, uh, medical file, to figure out if, in their opinion, the person is disabled from working. Uh, and oftentimes we see, and James talks about this a lot on the show as well, that the people that they get to look at this stuff and give opinions are not the right people. Right. You know, I have a case right now in Vancouver, John, a lady that I have been uh, examining her file uh, who suffered a concussion and has vision problems, she can't see properly. And by the way, a concussion is a brain injury. So usually you'd have a neuropsychiatrist, a neurologist, people of that sort, of that expertise, dealing with this individual. And what do they do? The insurance company cuts her off on the basis of an evaluation by an occupational therapist. And that's somebody who deals with the functionality, with the phys physical type stuff. That's not an MD, it's not a physician, it's not a doctor, but this is, happens all the time. And again, as far as I'm concerned, that's gross negligence by the insurance company. And even more than gross negligence, I think it's malicious because I can't imagine that an insurance company whose job it is, and I'm saying that again collectively for all these adjusters, I can't imagine that they don't know that they are using the wrong people to evaluate these claims and then cut people off on the basis of the opinions expressed by these people without the expertise to properly evaluate these claims. It's crazy. You know, again, just to make the point, I love analogies. I'm always faulted for them. 
But imagine that you have a heart condition and the insurance company is using a dentist to evaluate your file, whether or not you should qualify. It's insane. It's insane. And so, Tanya, we can help your friend. I would start a legal claim right now. The fact that she has a psychiatrist who's treating her, so it's a treating physician, a treating psychiatrist who says she's disabled, that is the trump card. We are going to go all the way if we do this. I'm telling you. If the insurance company does not reinstate her, they're going to get hit with punitive damages in addition to everything that they have to pay her under the policy. Help at inyourcorner.ca. That is the email. The phone number, though, it is uh, 1-833-IN-YOUR-CORNER. So how about this? When a person is denied LTD and it's done over the phone, um, so they have to wait for a letter before they reach out to you for help, or they can do it right away? No, they can do it right away. And in fact, in many instances... You know, people have a gut sense, a gut feel that that they're going to get cut off. You can reach out to us right there and then if you want to. I mean, we may not be able to do anything at that point because the insurance company hasn't cut you off. But, you know, sometimes, John, the little assurance that we can give people or tell them, you know, here's what what you need to do when you do get that dreaded letter or email or or call, uh, you know, here, here are the steps you have to take. But, you know, if you've been... If, if you've been on the receiving end of a phone call from your adjuster saying, for whatever reason, we are going to be cutting you off on so-and-so date, immediately after you put down the phone, you go to your computer and you email us or you immediately dial our number, which you, John, are going to give people again. And, and here's the reason why. Because if you don't, you're going to be in a shock. You're going to be in a state of shock. And that's common. But you need to get a hold of us so that we can tell you what your next steps are going to be. If you don't want to take those steps, that's okay. We're not going to force you. And John, we do have people that after we tell them they have a case, decide not to pursue it. That is completely your choice. We are never, ever going to force you to do something you don't want to do. But what we're going to do is we're going to tell you the truth about what options you have, what rights you have under the law, and what your leverage is with the insurance company if you choose to exercise it, if you choose to use it to force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. Amy is up next, but first we'll take a, a quick break here. Get to her email and yours as well is help at inyourcorner.ca. one in your corner is the number anytime. Get in touch with Savannah or James or remember that team. And don't hesitate. Get on it. Time is on your side for now, but you want to make sure you move on any uh, questions or phone calls to the, uh, to the firm as well. We'll continue with more In Your Corner right here on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner is the number. Help at in your corner through email anytime. Amy, you are up next. Uh, Amy writes in this event, says my husband is fifty one, and worked as an engineer all his life. He had back surgery that did uh, well; it didn't go well, and he's been left disabled for life. He is part of a union, so when he was cut off LTD, his union helped him appeal twice, and both times the insurance company rejected him. Shock of the day, right there. Uh, his union now says that we should go to a lawyer. Uh, I'm wondering if you can help, and I'm actually upset that we wasted all this time with these stupid appeals in the first place. Amy, I am just as upset as you are. I can only imagine the stress that this has caused your family. You know, it's unions are not in the business of fighting long-term disability claims. That's not their expertise. You know, when we get someone contacting us, and that happens, I think half the people who contact us across Ontario and B.C., are unionized employees. And unlike on the employment side where Lior talks about those issues, we can often help unionized employees with their disability claims. What we do, though, is we look at the collective agreement. And we want to see if the collective agreement fleshes out the details of long-term disability. If the collective agreement spells out in detail 
whether or not, uh, not whether or not, but the test for disability, the amounts, if it really goes into detail, well, that, that's, that means to us that it was contemplated that only the union can help this individual with LTD, notwithstanding the fact that they have no expertise with LTD. But in the vast majority of collective agreements, you don't see that. John, in the vast majority of collective agreements, they may mention LTD, there may be some detail in there, but not sufficient to bar us from working and helping this individual get LTD from the insurance company. So, you know, Amy, in your husband's situations, it must be a situation, it must be very frustrating. You've gone through two appeals, God knows how many months, if not years, have gone by. Uh, if the insurance company knew from the outset that you could go to a lawyer, they should have told you that or at least given you and your husband the option at the beginning because the reality is, and John, I've seen this more times than I can count, that when people come to us after having done you know, two appeals plus, oftentimes that usually takes them over a year. It takes, like, yeah. you know, in many instances, it, it's been a year or so uh, since they've been denied. And remember, we can resolve these kinds of claims. If you come to us right when you are rejected or right when you are told that you're going to get cut off, we can often resolve these kinds of claims within a matter of months, maybe half a year, maybe a year, but certainly in a, in a fairly and relatively short period of time in comparison with an appeal upon an appeal upon an appeal. And again, I've talked before directly to union presidents and to union reps and people who are in the union. I know you guys are trying to do good, but if you know someone in your union who's facing a long-term disability denial, please have them contact us unless you are completely sure that lawyers are not allowed to get involved. And again, I would want to see the collective agreement, but unless you know that from experience, please give the unionized employees you are dealing with the option. And and John, the other thing is that we have have been in touch with unions and unions have often asked us to come and provide instruction and information to some of their local presidents and local chapters. And we are very happy to do that at no cost, at no charge, very, very important to understand. If you are unionized, you've been denied LTD, contact us because in the vast majority of instances, we can help you and your union cannot. Get to one more here. I think we have time. Taylor writes in, says, I had an accident last year and have been seeing a chronic pain specialist and an orthopedic surgeon. I can't work and my doctors agree, but my LTD uh, disability insurer denied my claim because they say that there is no objective medical evidence for my disability. I'm furious and I want to fight back. What What is my next step? What do I do? Well, the next step is for us to evaluate the policy. And the reason is this, because you said the, the denial is based on no objective medical evidence. And by the way, right. the word objective, I mean, there's a philosophical element to it, but there's also a practical element to it. What does objective mean? Well, in, in terms of the legal medical context and whether that's long-term disability or car accidents, slip and falls, when we lawyers say objective, Um, evidence. In most instances, what we mean is like an x-ray that shows that there is a break, an ultrasound that shows that there is a tear, you know, things like that. But, But John, oftentimes the objective evidence is not necessarily a break or a tear. It could be a restricted uh, range of motion, right? Let's say you've injured your hip and you can't move a certain uh, way. Well, if a doctor uses a certain test, they can qualify the results of that test as being objective tests. Now, insurance companies will often prejudice claims or will often view claims more suspiciously if there's no, quote unquote, objective medical data to support a disability. But let me ask you this, John, when's the last time that you had an x-ray or an ultrasound for a headache and it showed something for your headache, right? It doesn't mean you don't have a headache, yeah. 
right? Or somebody who is depressed. You're not going to necessarily see something objective in, in any exams. So it's very important to understand that as long as you can satisfy the criteria that you are disabled from working under the policy that you're claiming under, the criteria or the qualification of evidence having to be objective is a non-issue. Unless the policy says you have to have objective medical evidence for your disability, then that denial, that basis of denial that you don't have something objective, quote unquote, is nonsense. And I've only seen in my practice one policy ever that actually said that unless you have objective medical data or information uh, supporting the disability, you don't qualify. And even in that case, by the way, we had a lot of testing that showed that there was objective data. And we spoke right. with the doctors, they, say the same, uh, they said the same thing. So Taylor, my point to you is this, we can fight the insurance company. I think they're using that as an excuse to deny your claim. Again, they have a whole bag of excuses. This is the one they've chosen to throw at you. We can counter that. I just need to see the medical documentation, the policy, and the denial letter. And I will tell you within minutes if you have a case. That'll do it for this week. Taylor, nicely done. Uh, thanks for the email. The uh, phone number as we wrap it up here. Again, use this. Write it down. Keep it. one eight three three in your corner Very simple. one eight three three in your corner And uh, make sure to join us next week. Keep sending your emails and leaving phone messages like the one you got. We will get back to it, uh, whether it's Savannah and James or just Savannah. We always get in-depth each week here on the show. So until next time, this has been In Your Corner right here on Global News Radio.